What is happening, everyone? Along with Will Brewer, I'm Colby Daniels. Finally, it is another fight week as the UFC took a hiatus last weekend. Uh, we're back this weekend with a card kind of similar to uh, two weeks ago that, that may not be the, the biggest blockbuster of all time. But look, we have fights again on Saturday night. Plus, this time one week from now, like I'm already giddy to talk about UFC 280. One week from now, we are getting ready for what is one of the biggest fight cards, not only of the year, but I think recent UFC history. Will Brewer, how are you, my friend? Yeah, man. I mean, I feel like the UFC is kind of just like playing with us right now. You know, they, uh, they're they taking a week off here and there. You know, they're giving us, you know, some solid fights, but, you know, not the best cards ever. But, you know, I think, you know, as we get into the holidays and we're getting into the fall and everything, we're going to get treated to some pretty epic fights. Um, 280, 281, and... Uh, 282. Now, um, if I may uh, say something about 282. Be my guest. Okay, so um, 282 is on December 10th. My birthday is the next day on December 11th. Uh, I have been surprised and I will be going to UFC 282 in December. Uh, Family and friends got together, uh, pitched in. I'm going to Vegas in December, uh, it's going to be epic. But what's what's even greater about this, and um, it, it could be what's even greater, and what could potentially not be great. You know who's rumored to main event that card, right? Uh, Prohaska and, and Teixeira, right? Right, but you know why that you know why uh, that main event has not been officially announced. I do not know. Okay, so the word is that that fight hasn't been fully announced because they are trying to get John Jones to fight on that card, right? And it is supposed to be John Jones versus Francis. Now, Francis has his knee injury, so that's not looking likely. So they are still trying to get John Jones to fight on that card against Stipe Miocic. Now, of course, we've been we've been talking about this for years, or not, well, basically years. We've been talking about this for at least a year about John Jones and Stipe Miocic, like, why haven't they fought? What's going on? So my confidence level about this fight is not there. But the fact that I could potentially be going, or that I'm going to be going, and that fight is potentially, potentially the main event, I feel like we've got to do something to, like, make this fight happen. Like, I, I don't know who we need to talk to. I don't know who we need to yell at. But I feel like since I'm going to be in attendance in Vegas, we've got to get John Jones on that card. Put all the good vibes in, into the world that you can, Will, so that it, it in some way shines back upon you coming up in December. But like, let's be real. What are the odds that John Jones and Stipe fight on in December? Like it's October 11th. Like what are the odds? Um, <laughs> if I were going to like l- legit put odds on it, I would say uh, 5%. Yeah. I'm, that's where I'm at. Yeah. But I will say that the, the lineup that's been, uh, that's been out, put out there. I mean, it's pretty, pretty stacked. I mean, outside of what the co-main and the main event is, I mean, we don't know what that is, but as of now, there's some really solid fights on that card. So whether it's Yuri and Glover or whether it's, you know, whatever, I think it's going to be a pretty solid night of fights, and I'm very excited for it. Bo Nickel, Patty Pimblett, like, Darren Till, like, what? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Is Patty Pimblett on that card? Yeah, he just got a fight announced. Um, I forget who. I think it's against a Brazilian cat. I forget his name. Okay. But, yeah, Patty Pimblett just got announced. 
Uh, Bo Nichols going to be on that card. So I saw Bo Nichols uh, say that if he's not on the main card, he might retire from MMA, or maybe that was just uh, one of those clickbait type things. But uh, currently, Tapology has Bo Nickel and Jamie Pickett as the second fight in that lineup. And look, that that is always subject to change. Uh, but oh, yeah. I, I did see today, in fact, that uh, Gustafson and OSP was announced for that card, which, um, I mean, look, I'm not overly thrilled about either one of those two guys. But in terms of matching up against each other, um, you know, maybe that could be a good fight. Uh, Rosenstrike, Dawkins, Chris Curtis, Buckley, Darren Till, Dricus Duplessis, Ponzinibbio, Robbie Lawler. Yeah, there's there's some good scraps. So, look, listen, man, your birthday's in December as well. December 5th, I believe yeah. December 5th. Yeah, so you might as well. Like, come on, man. We need to we need to go ahead, go out to Vegas, you know, maybe do the show out there, you know, uh, maybe gamble a little bit, you know, come back with thousands uh, of dollars, man. You know, we can't we can't gamble here in Oklahoma, but yeah, man. Uh might as well, you know. Listen to if, me. If you can, let's let's do it. If you're going, I will I will put the wheels in motion to see what I can pull off. Like I will get that process started immediately. And it might involve a lot of ass kissing. And I mean, you know, it's it's a whole process, but I, I will absolutely get the wheels turning on that 100 percent. Hell yeah, man. We got to do it, man. But uh, yeah, that's 282. I'm sorry I got a little off track, but I had to, you know, let you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for for now here in October. Uh, you should not apologize for that. In fact, I would I would have been I would have held it against you if you hadn't led with that. So right. well done on your part. <laughs> yeah, you know, especially with, you know the no fights the week before and absolutely you know the i mean it, it's better than aspen lad and norman dumont you know I, i'm actually pretty excited because you know i'm a big alexa grasso fan so i'm not gonna brain down on this main event too much but it's not the most um noteworthy or star-studded main event out there but i think it's a very good fight uh it's gonna tell us exactly where grasso is at i think yeah. that's why this fight is the main event so i'm very excited for this and then we're just we are it's October 11th. We're 11 days away yeah. from 280. This time next Abu week, Dhabi. we'll be doing the, the 280 podcast. I mean, I wanted to ask you, are we betting like, uh, not betting, because we, we, have, we haven't bet, but like, are we putting pick, are we making picks on every fight or are we doing like our normal uh, main card, a, a few prelims? I, there are enough legitimate, like main card worthy fights on the prelims that we will absolutely be adding to the main card picks, but I mean, we, we don't have to do the whole card necessarily, but yeah, there, there's a lot to choose from here. hundred percent. Yeah. A lot to choose from. This card is um, juicy to say yeah. the least. So I'm very, I'm yeah. very excited for this one Two eighty, And then <clears throat> I wonder how you feel about, you know, I feel like your answer is going to be the fights are so good that you don't mind. But the fact that this main card is 1 PM uh, central time, how does, <laughs> how does that make you feel? The fights are so good, I don't mind. <laughs> like, I figured. Yeah, I figured. I, look, there are a lot of fight cards that it just irritates the hell out of me that they have it early in the day, um, and and even especially when you add it, will to like early in the day during the fall when we're overloaded with football anyway. Um, for this card, I'm I'm not bothered at all. I will I will be zoned in, man. Like this card is exceptional to the point that I, I was literally going to start with this. There is not another scenario where you can have a three-week stretch to have the fight card that we watched two weeks ago. Again, headlined by some, you know, pretty big draws in, in Yan Xiaonan and Mackenzie Dern. But the, the, the card itself wasn't one that, that a lot of fans were drooling over. And then an off week. And then this card with uh, 
Grasso, as you just mentioned, uh, and Araujo, there's not a three-week stretch where you're going to hear more complaining in a normal scenario than this three-week stretch, but I've not heard as much as I feel like we would normally hear simply because everybody knows the reason for that is UFC 280 being unbelievably stacked, right? Like, it just makes it like you can't stack the cards leading up to that one and then have that same card stack. There's not enough big names out there to do that. Like, it's, this is incredible. To the point that I literally yeah. heard Chael Sonnen the other day as I was like scrolling on, on I don't know, it might have been Instagram, I don't remember, but there was one of the, there was like a clip of Chael Sonnen like saying that he doubts that this card will stay together because it's that loaded. Like, it's so loaded that he feels like before we get to fight week, they're going to take a few off of the fight card because it's too much. You know, as some of these fights were getting announced, I'm literally saying, like, what fights are going to be on the main card? I mean, of course, you have your two title fights, but, like, some of these fights were so good that, you're, that you wonder, like, what fights are going to be on the main card? Like, Bala Muhammad and Sean Brady, that's as good of a matchup that you're going to get at welterweight, and that's on the prelim, you know? Um, We've got some pretty uh, amazing fights uh, from top to bottom. I mean, the two title fights are as close in skill level that you're going to get. You've got prospects. You've got contenders. You've got, uh, you've got legends. Uh, there's so much to love on this card. Um, I mean, it's, it's so good to the point where there's going to be a performance on this night that's so good that's not going to get talked about enough. Oh, because absolutely. I feel like there's... There's so much that's going to, that's going to happen. Like there's so much um, riding on the two main fights, Sean O'Malley, Peter Yan. There's so much that goes into those that like there's going to be some amazing performances that we we probably won't even have. We'll, we'll probably have like a two to three hour podcast after 280 because that the fights were so good. Like when you look at the odds on all these fights, they're so close. Yeah, and it's 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 warranted because these matchups are phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, in what world is Bilal Muhammad, Sean Brady on a prelim? In what world, like, Uzdemir Krylov is arguably as good a matchup as the last two fight night main events, right? I mean, that's a prelim fight. You have big name, like, I think Jelton Almeida is a problem. He's he's in fight number two on this card. Um, Mokayev, I think, is is potentially a future contender at the flyweight division, he's on this card. Uh, I love the the Muradov, uh, Kyle Bahailio. Is that how you say it? Uh, matchup. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's this card is is absolutely loaded, and that doesn't we that doesn't even scratch the surface of what the main card is. And I mean, Benil Dariush Matus Gamrot is going to be like you said. One of these fights is probably going to be that's probably going to be one of those fights that gets no love leading into next Saturday. That I mean, depending on how the fight goes, may get completely overlooked in the aftermath because we're going to be spend so much time talking about whether it's O'Malley or Jan winning, whether it's Dillashaw or Sterling winning, and whether it's Charles Oliveira or Islam winning. Like the winner of Matus Gamrot and Benil Dariush is a big deal, and that will that will get completely swept under the rug in comparison to the other storylines. Man, when you look at lightweight, man, that's as good of a matchup that you're gonna find, man. Uh, like you, like we always say about lightweight and bantamweight, like these divisions are so loaded, and to have two um, lightweight matches, like you, you have Oliveira and Islam, which is a fantastic matchup, but like Benil and, and Gamrot could potentially be the fight of the night. Like yeah. that has action, uh, skill. Like, I mean, 
Benil's always in exciting fights, and and Gamrot he showed in his last fight with Saruki and how tough he is. Um, he can go five rounds. Like we we've always saw, we've always known how skilled that he is. But like that fight with Saruki showed us how uh, how much of a dog the guy is. Like he he could have been losing, and uh, the fact that he put on that performance in the championship rounds that he did, it shows that he's got the, that dog in him. So I'm very excited for that for uh, Dariush and Gamrot. Um, did you hear, uh, I don't know if, if you had this on the cards for later, but I'm sure you heard that Volkanovsky is flying down to be the backup fighter for the main event. So I was going to bring this up. Yes, he he said that he is officially the backup fighter for UFC 280, the main event, if uh, if Mahashev or Charles Oliveira is not able to go. But Neil Dariush apparently today claims that, no, I am the backup fighter. So, I mean, I, who's the backup fighter? Like, I don't know. And uh, look, I'm, I'm down for either one of those guys. But yeah, like that's that's not even like this, this card is crazy. And that's just a storyline that doesn't even impact what we're actually going to watch unless something serious actually does take place. So I, my question to you is, who would you rather see as the backup fighter? Would you rather it be Benil or would you rather it be Bolt? Oh, man. I feel like maybe it somewhat depends on which guy is not available. But I would say this, just in general, from a fighting standpoint and entertainment value, for me, the answer is Dariush. If you want to salvage a card with big names, big headliners, and you want to try and make money, the obvious answer is Volk, right? Like, you're going to make more Absolutely. money putting Volk in that position than Dariush, but... In terms of what I think would be a more competitive fight, I think Darius is more competitive for either guy. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm with you, but I'll, I'll say this: Darius in that in that injury, you know, I kind of want to see what he looks like first. Yeah, but Volk just is coming off a of hand surgery too, so I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, and Darius has literally worked his way up into this uh, this this spot that he's in. He really shouldn't have to take a fight against a a guy ranked uh, below him like like Gamera. Like he was yeah. supposed to fight Islam, so I kind of feel like it should be Benil. But in terms of just keeping this card together, you know, because I really want to see Benil and, and Gamera. I would just love like if Oliveira or Islam can't make it, just plug Volk in there, and then you know we'll still have a fantastic fight right. card, and you know no one gets royally screwed like Gamera um, having to. Uh, go all the way to Abu Dhabi and then not fight. Like how shitty is that? Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Um, if we're just gonna play the what if game for a moment, who do you think? Ha, who? What is the better matchup for Volk? If one of those two guys were to not be available, oh, it's it's definitely Charles. Um, because. It, you know, Islam is is bigger. He's stronger. Like we know what he's gonna do and everything. And I think that Charles will fight a more stylistically f uh, favorable matchup for Volk. Like Volk will be able to incorporate what he does best against Charles. Where Islam, he's gonna be on the retreat. Like he's gonna be, you know, having to stuff takedowns. You know, I'm, I'm a defensive. Yeah. When Charles is gonna be like, they're gonna be toe to toe. And Volk doesn't go to the ground anyway. Uh, so, like, if it gets there, you know, he may be in, in trouble. But, like, I expect that to be a pretty uh, a pretty exciting stand-up fight. And, you know, maybe Charles tries to take him down because Volk has shown that he's pretty tough to hit. You know, just ask uh, Max Holloway. 
and Volk gets better every time we see him. So um, I think the answer is Oliveira. I think um, he would have to have a few lightweight fights before he fights Islam, you know, because to get used to the the, the strength, the the power of lightweights, and I, and I don't even think that most lightweights are as strong as Islam, but I think coming up from featherweight, I think it would be really, really tough for him to uh, to fight Islam. I, I also think you're right, but I have severely underestimated Charles Power for a long, long time. I'm not doing that anymore. He he hurt Gaethje, hurt Poirier, hurt Chandler. Like the dude has big hands in at 155. Like he's got big power. I have no idea if Charles if uh, Vol could eat a shot from from Charles. Yeah, that's that's a real thing. Um, you know, Max. You know, I, I know I'm using Max a lot, but, you know, Max is, is a tall guy. Like, I'm sure him and Charles are around the same height. But, like, Max doesn't pack a punch like Charles does. Right. Uh, Max is more of a volume guy. So, you know, those punches that Max did land on uh, on Volkanovski throughout their trilogy, you know, if Charles is able to land those, you know, we we saw what, what he did to Gaethje with the first punch he threw. <laughs> it, it, it was incredible. So, I mean, like you said, we're, no one's sleeping on Oliveira's power anymore. Um, yeah. and I think, um, as when we break down, uh, the Charles and Islam fight next week, that's going to play a, a huge factor in, you know, in, in our, in our breakdown. So, I mean, yeah. Um, but I just, yeah, I think that there's a very good chance that Volk could uh, incorporate his style, you know, avoid being hit from Charles, um, whether he's able to take it or not. That's a, that's a question that's going to need to be answered. But I think with Islam, I just think his strength, um, compared to what Volk has had to deal with. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be tough. So, but you know, I agree. Volk has proven me wrong a lot throughout his uh, his title run. So he might prove me wrong again. I mean, Volk and Charles Oliveira, the the kings of proving everybody wrong at this point, aren't they? Oh, one thousand percent, one thousand percent. By the way, don't don't give me the answer to this if you have an answer, because we'll do that next week. Do you know who you're picking in Oliveira Mahashev? Yes, you do. And, okay. Yes, and I know who I'm picking, and I've known who I was going to pick for a while, and. I'm telling myself I'm not backing out of it. Okay. This is the pick. So okay. this is the pick. It's locked down and I'm not changing. Okay. <laughs> because we will make that pick one week from today and I'm I'm being 100% honest with you. I have no idea. I am so torn on this fight. Like I'm more torn on this fight than I think any fight I've been torn on in a long, long time. Yeah. And I, I'm the same way, but like in order to not stress myself out about it, I, I've told myself, I'm, this is the pick, and that's, that's it. You know what? I appreciate I, that. That's the better approach than me, like, just beating myself up over, like, playing out every scenario. And, yeah. I promise you, if I, if I didn't have this uh, thought in my head, then next week, you know how sometimes I ramble, and then because I don't have a pick in, in my head, I was going to probably ramble for a good 30 minutes, about try, and I was going to try to convince myself about which side to go. But I have, nice. a, I have a pick. I'm sticking with it. And so I'm going to keep it short and sweet next week. All right. Fair enough. Big podcast next week. UFC 280 picks. What a fight card. I, I can't wait. And I hope, I hope Chelsea is not right. I hope we don't see a bunch of shake up and, and a bunch of uh, these big matchups potentially get moved, but uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Let's, uh, let's cover a couple of fights real quickly from two weeks ago. Jan Shaunan over Mackenzie Dern in the main event. Um, did you in any way, shape or form, because there's, I, I think, all the rounds were very easy to judge, in my opinion, in terms of the winner. The real question to me is, did you in any way, shape, or form consider giving Mackenzie Dern a 10-8 in either of the two rounds she won? Because I think there's 
I'm not saying she deserved one. I'm saying there's an argument to be made. I think about both of the rounds she won for a 10-8, but I think the other three rounds were clearly on Shannon's rounds. Yeah, you know, um, round two um, was was a 10-9 for me. Okay. Round five, on the other hand, I that was about as close to a 10-8 that you can get without without it being a 10-8. And uh, you know, it, it, it's tough because I, I only didn't give it uh, a ten uh, a ten eight because of Jan, of Jan's defense, and I don't even know if that's like a type of criteria to to judge to judging these ten eights and and whatever. But you know, I was so impressed by what I saw from her her defense that I avoided giving her uh, a ten eight. Because like I, I truly feel like Jan deserved to win that fight just because I was, I was shocked. The fact that Mackenzie had her on the ground for as long as Mackenzie did, yeah. and she wasn't able to finish it, I feel like that's such a victory for for Jan. So I mean, I didn't give it a ten eight, but I mean, I I completely understand for those people who did. But yeah, I'm uh, I was more of the three two for Jan. I, so I thought round two was more dominant than round five. And I, I scored round two a 10-9 in the moment. And then as round five is happening and we're getting to the end, like I started to consider the 10-8 because it was just like, and part of that is is like, you're not supposed to do this in judging, but like I'm looking at this and I'm like, there's there's 10 minutes of this fight where Mackenzie Dern has been completely dominant, right? And then you've got Yan Xiaonan clearly winning the other three rounds but not not like the separation, I think, between Mackenzie Dern and Yan Xiaonan in the two rounds she won was so much more than the distance, I guess, between Yan and Mackenzie in the three rounds that Yan won. That like in some way it was almost like I feel like I was thinking like I almost felt like I wanted to reward Mackenzie for that. But ultimately, like I think when you just look at it uh, in a in a you know, in a nutshell and look at those five minutes for what they are on their own. I, I I had ten nine for both rounds. Yeah, um, and and it's tough because like it's tough to separate it, everything that's happened in the fight before and like remove all of that from just scoring that five minutes. And I think once I did that, I was able to go ten nine. But like with all of that in my mind, like the ten eight, I think that that was the most intriguing part of me questioning whether I would give a ten eight. Yeah, um, you know, I, I go back to um, to Jan's grappling and how good that she looked. I feel like that complete like it took it took me away from really appreciating everything that McKenzie did uh, in those two rounds because those were dominant rounds, and I think I was just so blown away by her her defense and how much she improved that I just couldn't find it in myself to give it a ten eight um, just because she didn't get finished. So. Uh, I mean, it's it's tough. It's it's tough for McKenzie because uh, I know that um, she probably feels like both of those rounds were ten eight because you know offensively Jan didn't offer much, uh, if 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 not anything, in both of those rounds. So you could easily make the argument for ten eight, but it's yeah, it's tough, man. Uh, I mean, though that was one of those rounds um, that was just extremely hard to to judge if you're going to give it a ten nine or a ten eight, and you know either way. Uh, it was good for me, but uh, I settled on Jan. Just yeah. you know, the three-two, no ten-eight. I uh, 
there I, I don't know what it was there I just there was w- just like a fraction missing like I, I I can't put my finger on what I needed what else I needed but it was just like I felt like it was right there on the edge but there was just something missing for me uh going 10-8 ultimately um I I felt like Will over the last couple of weeks I've heard a, a lot of people weigh in on the Randy Brown Francisco Trinaldo fight and I think it's kind of a unanimous like missed opportunity viewpoint for Randy Brown's side of this uh, he gets the unanimous decision, uh, but it, it, you know, seemingly in a big spot where you're in a co-main event against a guy that's been around forever and as tough as nails. Um, I feel like collectively the thought process is missed opportunity for Randy Brown here. Wait, wait, wait. What? Randy Brown won that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in terms of gaining oh, momentum. Oh, oh, fin- oh, finishing him. Oh, or Getting like, a finish okay, or you, winning you, in you. an exciting way or, yeah, like... He was in a spot where he could really capitalize, I think, on, in terms of his yes. star power and momentum. He won the fight, by the way, unanimous decision. Uh, but, yeah, I think collectively a lot of people feel like this was a big spot for him to maybe put in a really good performance and turn it into something big on the other side. And uh, I think the collective thought is failure to do that. Yeah. You know, this was one of those uh, that uh, I definitely felt like Randy Brown should have finished. And like you said, gain that momentum going into fighting probably, you know, top 15 guy. You know, maybe his performance uh, only getting a, a, unanimous, a unanimous decision victory while it was a clean performance outside of the fence grab and everything. Um, I think, you know, Trinado's a tough out. Don't get me wrong. But um, for what we've seen from Randy Brown lately against Chaos Williams, um, against the uh, the cat that he fought before that, I forget his name, but he literally broke his toe and he's he's fighting. He's fighting this guy with a broken toe, trying to like he's stomping on his toe, trying to like put it back in place. It was it was crazy. Um, but what we've seen from Randy Brown lately and what we saw him that night, it kind of felt like he was playing it kind of safe. And I think that while Francisco Trinado is a tough out, he's he's over 40. Uh, Randy Brown had a had a long reach advantage. And, you know, it kind of reminded me of um, of Izzy, you know, like we we kind of get on him for, you know, not having the most exciting fights with guys that he should finish. But I think when you're the champion and in Randy Brown's case, when you're a prospect trying to get into that upper echelon right. you uh the the w means more than the style points and you know randy brown's on a on a nice winning streak and i know that he uh he felt like he needed to have that victory so uh while francisco's a tough out i know randy brown wanted the w at the end of the day so uh, i i'm curious to see what's next for him because like the potential uh it's, it's through the roof like he's a long welterweight uh, a lot of these guys are gonna have a hard time hitting him but um yeah, he definitely missed an opportunity in terms of uh, building, you know, that star, that star appeal of yeah. people wanting to see him fight. Like the best way I can put it is winning is always the most important aspect, right? A win is a win and you move forward and you get, you know, you're, you're it's not a setback. But when you win, whether it's finish or an exciting fight or whatever, you just accelerate that process, right? Like you just move up the line quicker when you win exciting versus just winning. And again, there, there's nothing wrong with him beating Trinaldo. No, I, like, I'm not trying to downplay the fact that he won the fight. Uh, it's just that if you win that fight in an exciting way, it's, you know, you just move up quicker. It, it accelerates the process. That's the best way I can put it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think still a guy that uh, is exciting and um, I'm very curious to see what they do with him next as well. Uh, Barcelos had a unanimous decision over Travis, um, Trevin Jones um Sadiq Youssef I mean this one good lord it was like snap your fingers and it was over um it was he was a massive favorite on this card for a reason and obviously that that uh 
showed up. I'm curious to see where he goes next at featherweight. Uh, Mike Davis, unanimous decision over Borshev. Uh, the Daniel Santos, John Castaneda fight was fantastic. Yeah, I feel like the prelims was uh, was a little bit better than the than the main card because sure. there was like a lot of finishes. Um, how about Brendan Allen over Jocko um, at, at middleweight? You know, that was a fight that we thought should have been on the main card. Uh, it settled it, it settled on the prelims, but that was one of the more um, exciting finishes of the night. Uh, of course, we finally got the Latifi Alexi Olenek fight uh, after three or four times of them booking it and then uh, somebody falling out. Um, you know. Every time Olenek fights, I'm always reminded of, like, the, his crazy record. I forget what it is off the top of my head now, but, like, he's fought so much. Like, I, and, and I think the UFC might have just uh, cut him or he retired or something. But he, By the way, he uh, is 60, time. 17, and 1. <laughs> 60, 17, and 1. And they didn't cut him and he didn't retire. His contract ended. Like, that was the last fight on his deal. So he's no longer on the UFC roster. Whether that means that, I mean, he, they could resign him. They could choose not to resign him. But yeah, it was just, it was kind of like the deal just came to an end. So we'll see what happens with him next. Yeah. And he, I feel like he should probably be done. Um, you know, he could fight some of these up and comers, but, you know, he, he looks all of about 55. I know he's only 40 something, but he looks uh, a lot older than that. So, um, but yeah. And, and then Daniel Santos and John Castaneda, that was a, um, that was a pretty uh, epic fight. Uh, those guys went toe to toe. Those guys went at it. Uh, I think John Castaneda said that he was uh, that he got sick uh, before the fight, and that kind of uh, affected his performance. Um, and then the first fight of the night. How about uh, the Guido guy who's like forty plus? Canetti over, yeah, over, Randy Costa. Uh, Randy Costa in, in a minute, like he's over forty and took out one of the a, a very exciting fighter at, at bantamweight. So. Um, Oh, and then how about Chelsea Chandler? Did you see how she just completely ran over Julia Stuliarenko, man? Yep. Uh, I think she could possibly be possibly be a player. So um, a lot to love on that card. Uh, pretty solid night of fights. Yeah, it was. It, I, I'm like you. I, I I thought the prelims were much more exciting than the main card. Uh, but uh, again, it was. Uh, it was a fight card which we didn't have last weekend, so uh, I welcomed it. And we have a fight card this weekend. Which, uh, as you said at the beginning of this thing, there are probably a lot of people that might be slightly underwhelmed with uh, Alexa Grasso and Viviane Araujo as the main event. But uh, it's a good fight, and it's a fight card, which, again, we did not have last weekend. Um, you ready to make some picks? Yeah, man, let's do it. All right, our main card begins in the bantamweight division. By the way, I haven't said it yet, so I might as well say it here. Death taxes and bantamweights. You can count on it every single fight card. Bantamweights always deliver. It's uh, Mana Martinez and Brandon Davis in the Bantamweight division. Oddshark.com. They haven't re, uh, reshuffled their odds yet. They still have Neil Magny and Daniel Rodriguez. No, it's Rodriguez. Uh, on the main <laughs> card of, of their picks. Um, they have Martinez as the minus 162 favorite, plus 130 for Brandon Davis. Yeah, like you said, uh, death taxes and Bantamweights, you know... Uh, I remember watching Brandon Davis fight a long time ago. Uh, I think it was against the beat and uh, it was, you know, he ended up uh, losing. Of course, the beat is a tough out. Uh, if that's the, the same guy I'm thinking of, you know, uh, if it is, it I is. haven't yep. uh, heard, heard of the guy in a, in a while. He left the UFC uh, one, I think four in a row and then came back to the UFC and lost earlier uh, or not earlier this year, last year, I believe. Okay. So, um, 
man. You know, in, in this situation, you kind of want to go with the uh, with the more experienced guy. But part of me wants to give a go to uh, Martinez because, you know, of the of the upside. Um, Mm. Um, dang, well, who am I going to go with? This is a good fight. I feel like it's going to be very exciting. You know, uh, go ahead and give me uh, give me Martinez, man. Um, All right. I think it's going to be a good scrap, but yeah, give me, go ahead and give me Martinez. Give me the youth as well. 26-year-old Martinez over 32-year-old Davis. Davis in his second stint with the UFC and, again, lost his uh, his – debut fight back in the UFC last year. Fight number two on this main card takes us to the light heavyweight division. It is Dammit Misha Surkinov and Alonzo Minifield again at 205. Oddshark.com has Minifield as your minus 230 favorite plus 176 for Dammit Misha Surkinov. You know, how many times did I pick him? So like many. Two or three times in a row. For those out there uh, that have not heard us talk about this guy before on a previous podcast, that's not his nickname. That is a created nickname from us because Will has picked him so many times, and every time he picks him, Sirkinov gets run over, and he ends up saying, Damn it, Misha! So that's now the nickname is Damn it, Misha Sirkinov. Yeah, I mean, and I know, you know, the weight cut to middleweight was was probably tough. I think it affected his uh, his output. Uh, it affected. Uh, I, I don't remember if he got finished, but he lost a lot of fights that he should have won. Uh, I think he got finished against um, that one guy who I know he's better than Wellington uh, Terman. Wellington Terman. That's exactly who it was. I was so mad because I thought for sure he was going to win that one. But you know, Sarkadov at two hundred five. He he was actually a player. He was actually a top ten light heavyweight. But I'm not making that mistake again to pick him. I. I've gotten to the point now where if I'm going to pick him again, I got to see some promise. And as of late, you, you lose to Wellington Terman, I'm not picking you again uh, until I see some promise. So I feel like Alonzo Minifield is put here in this spot to uh, right the wrongs of all of my picks of Misha Sirkinov. I got Minifield and I'm picking him by knockout. And I'm going to be so happy because uh, I was wrong on three to four picks in a row because of damn it, Misha. So let's go, Minifield. Knock his ass out. If Misha wins next week, then we're still going to get the damn it, Misha, which is the beautiful part of this pick. Absolutely. Which is the beautiful part of this pick. Uh, (laughs) It is Alonzo Minifield for me as well. I I just think that uh, we've reached a point where I feel like uh, Misha's best days are probably behind him. And uh, look, Alonzo Minifield's a scary dude. And while I think there's kind of been the, the thought that he's somewhat inconsistent, I think it's fair to say that he has been improving. So yeah, give me Alonzo Minifield also. All right, middleweights, Dusko Todorovic and Jordan Wright. Oddshark.com has Todorovic as your minus 210 favorite, plus 170 for Jordan Wright. Um, I think they're pretty close uh, in, in, in skill. Uh, they've both fallen on uh, some pretty tough times. Um, you know, Todorovic had to fight... Uh, Chitty and Jigawani, uh in his last one. And, uh, you know, Chitty was on a roll, uh, kind of um, knocked him out. Um, and then same thing with Jordan Wright. You know, uh, he's come on some tough times as well. But in terms of the matchup, I think this is going to be a really fun matchup. I think uh, 
uh, this has potential to be fight of the night. Um, Jordan Wright, you know, he always brings it. And sometimes it works out to his detriment, which has kind of been what's been going on to him lately. Um, but in this, in terms of my pick for this one, uh, go ahead and give me uh, Todorovic, man. I kind of like... Um, I like I probably like his finishing ability just slightly more than Jordan Wright. I, I would agree with that. How about this for the stretch from Todorovic after um I believe he was a contender series uh guy back in the day, uh maybe a couple years ago. His last four, I mean, talk about fighting guys that have finishing ability. He lost to Chidi, he beat Maki Patolo, lost to Robocop, and lost to Puna Soriano. I mean, that is uh fireworks in every one of those fights right like that's incredible yeah. uh jordan wright by the way um he had the loss to mark uh andre barrio but he lost to bruno silva who's another i mean scary dude and he's lost to joaquin buckley uh, both of these guys have lost three of their last four both of these guys have lost to some of the the big finishers in the division uh this is a big fight for both guys this is a fight where i i, I mean this might be fight of the night i think it's going to be incredible um, I do like um, Todorovic more than Jordan Wright in terms of of maybe both being able to eat it and and probably land the 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 bigger shots. But uh, if I had to maybe dark horse a fight of the night, don't sleep on this fight just because both guys have have you know lost three of their last four. All right, in the flyweight division, we have contenders Askar Askarov and Brandon Royval. Speaking of fight of the night, this one absolutely has a chance to contend for that title as well. Askar Askarov is the minus 230 favorite plus 180 for Brandon Royval. You know, I'm I'm still uh, you know, Askarov was my pick to be flyweight champion. Uh I feel like uh the guy still has all the potential in the world. He could still uh be the champion. I feel like he has a style that not many people in the flyweight division have. Uh I think Kaikar France was riding a wave of momentum that uh, not many people was gonna beat him on that night um, that he beat uh, that he beat Askarov. Um, it was a very it was a very close fight that could have went either way, but I think Kai was just uh, just a little bit better than him and wanted it more on that on that night. Uh, and I expect Askarov to to probably come out here and have a really good performance, a dominant performance. I think Roy Ball is really good, um, but I think that uh, Askarov and his grappling is going to be a problem. I think he kind of, I think Askarov kind of went and fought Kai's fight a little bit. And uh, Kai did do a good job of, uh, of stuffing takedowns and everything. But uh, I think if Askarov is able to get his hands on Roy Ball, um, Roy Ball won't be able to uh, really do much to stop Askarov. So um, unless uh, Roy Ball is able to land something uh, pretty crazy to knock out Askarov, my pick's going to go with, uh, with Askarov for sure. So I kind of feel like we're probably going to be on the same side of all the fights the rest of the way. Uh, for the record, if I had to put my money on this fight, I think I would bet on Askar Askarov. But uh, Roy Vol is one of my favorite flyweights in the entire division. I do love his scrambling av ability. So, I mean, in terms of maybe being able to take down, uh, to, to defend takedowns, to scramble when he's, get when he's getting taken down. And also, I mean, he's a long guy that, that has some jujitsu himself. Um, you know, that's always a, a path to victory for him as well. Um, if I were going to bet my money, I would bet Askarov, but I'm going to go opposite here. I think this is, uh, definitely a great fight. I think that, uh, that Brandon Royval absolutely has a chance and this should be a really fun one. So I'll, I'll, I'll take Royval in this one. 
flyweight division, man. There's uh, there's a lot at play here. Yeah, it's getting good, man. Death taxes and bantamweights. We're back to the bantamweight division. Jonathan Martinez and Cub Swanson moving down from 145. Oddshark.com has Jonathan Martinez as your minus 200 favorite, plus 160 for a legend of the sport, Cub Swanson. Man, you know, um, Jonathan Martinez is really good. Like, he's one of those guys who's not ranked, but, like, he's so good. Like, he should be ranked, but the bantamweight division is so loaded that he's one of the guys on the outside looking in. Um, The fact that he's not ranked just goes to show just how stacked the division is. Now you bring in a guy like Cub Swanson, and I think with a lot of these guys who've been moving down, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of questions that go into it. Um, I th- I think, you know, Cub isn't a, a big forty fiver, uh, and the fact that it's you know just ten pounds. Ah uh, man, you know, Cub, Cub has never been a, a chinny guy at, at forty five. Like the fights that he's lost. Um, they've been by decision or they've been by um, submission or, you know, if he gets like, he got, he got kicked to the body by Giga Chikate uh, and, you know, by the famous Giga kick that not many people in the world can take. Right. So uh, it's hard to really finish him. Uh, And at this, at this new division, I just wonder how well he takes shots, but he's always been able to take shots. Well, Uh, he's very skilled uh, still at this, at this advanced stage in his career. I really want to pick Cub. I really do. So do it. I really want to pick Cub. But I just know that there's so many questions regarding, like, can he take a punch? Can he take a kick? Is his is his uh, output going to be labored? Like, we see what's happened with Misha. You know, he's, a, he's great at light heavyweight, but you take some weight off of him and bring him down to middleweight, and it kind of affects his performance. Cody Garbrandt drops down. You know, he's always been chinny, but he's extra chinny if he takes a little bit of weight off of him. Uh, and then uh, who else did we see? Dan Hooker drops down to, to, to 45. You know, he t- he was in, he's been in a lot of wars for sure. But, you know, you, t- you take a few punches from Arnold Allen and, you know, you can't really take too many of those. So in terms of skill, like, I think these guys are really close. But um, it's one of those prospect versus legend type things. I'm gonna go ahead and pick Cub, man. I, I got to do it. I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he's gonna lose, but you know, I have a pretty good lead right now. So <laughs> this is one, this is one of those where uh, I'm gonna go with my heart over my head. And uh, luckily, this is only a one pointer. So give me Cub. All right. By the way, I, I don't think that this is uh, one of those where it's like you're feeding a big name to a young prospect for him to just, you know, like capitalize. I like, I, I legitimately think this is a really good fight. Um, I don't think that I view Cub as, like you said, a guy that is easily finished. I don't view him as a guy that is going to be more susceptible to being finished because of the weight cut. Maybe maybe we're wrong, but I, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's going to be stretched so thin, dropping to 135, that he's not going to have much. I think for me, more than anything, it's it's just the age, right? Like, I, I think he's still incredibly skilled. I don't think the weight cut's going to take it out of him where he's he's not going to be able to take shots. I just think he's... He's getting up there, and you're talking about a guy in the bantamweight division that's incredibly hungry, that is on a three-fight win streak that I think is incredibly talented. And like you said, like this guy's not ranked. 
he's a dangerous bantamweight, but that's how that's how deep that division is, and anybody that's on the outside looking in has to be hungry. Uh, I think there's going to be a really good fight, but I, to me, it's it's just Jonathan Martinez, where he is in his career versus where Cub is, is the difference to me. Uh, but that, that, that doesn't take away from how good the fight, I think, is going to be. I think it's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be really good. I think Cub's going to be incredibly competitive. I just think overall, when you talk about, like, how much fight you have in you, and I'm not talking about, like, the, 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 the stamina terms of gas tank. I'm just talking about the duration of your career, right? I just think Jonathan Martinez is at a clearly different spot than Cub is at this point. But um, give me Jonathan Martinez. But I'm with you. I, I think that uh, Cub is going to fight his ass off in this one. This isn't yeah. being fed to the Lions. Yeah, you're, you're always going to be in a scrap when you fight Cub Swanson no matter what. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, the age plays a factor in. I just don't know for sure about the weight cut. So, uh, I mean, I hope that Cub can, because uh, he's not a big featherweight. Right. I hope that the weight just comes off and he's able to handle it well. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, it's not one of those fights where he's getting fed to the to a young guy um, and that he's going to easily just, you know, get beat. Uh, I feel like if that was like a, uh, what's the, uh, Nurmagan Medov. Um, Saeed. Not, uh, Saeed and the other one. Um, uh, Umar. Umar, yeah. If it was one of them, I would have been like, yeah, this is Cub getting fed to the, to the young Lions. But this one is a fight that uh, Cub could definitely and win. And it's a so. stylistic matchup that is is right in his wheelhouse, right? Absolutely. It's going to be a scrap. Yeah. And uh, we're going we're gonna to find out pretty early if how, how uh, the weight cut affects them, if it affects them positively or negatively, because Jonathan Martinez is, is a guy that gets in the scraps. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. All right, the main event in the women's flyweight division is ranked Alexa Grasso and Viviane Araujo. Oddshark.com has Grasso as the minus 200 favorite, plus 160 for Araujo. You know, um, Viviane Araujo is very, very good. I just think that you, there comes a point with these flyweights where they they all fight like the, the same types, the same fighters. Like you, you give them... Jessica I, Roxanne Montefiore, um, and then like you automatically are in like title contention because you beat two staples of the of the flyweight division, and you don't really you can't really tell for sure how good they are. So you, so she beat Roxanne Montefiore, and then she's put into a a, a fight with Caitlin Chukagian. It might have been too soon for Viviani. She's very good. She's um, despite that loss to Chukagian, she's right there. I feel like. Um, with a few more, you know, fights, like, you know, she could, you know, potentially be that number one contender. Um, she beat Andrea Lee in her last one. Um, it didn't really seem like she had much trouble with her. But in terms of Alexa Grasso, I think when you have a straw weight, you bring them up to um, the fly weight. What I've seen with a lot of them, and Amanda Hebos is a good, um, is a good example. You bring them up and like, they're faster. They're, they're very, very skilled. Um, and I feel like that's what Alexa Grasso brings to the table. Like her boxing is, is very crisp. And while she came up on some tough times at, at straw weight, like look who she lost to. Like she lost to, I believe Carla Esparza. And I think she lost to, um, girl with the Tatiana name, Suarez, uh, Felice yeah, Herring. Uh, Tatiana Suarez. Yeah. Yeah. That Felice Herring one, that was when Felice was on like a, a different, in a different spot in her career right. when she was on winning streak. 2017, by the but, way. Yeah, Alexa is very early in her career back then. But I think at this point, like, Alexa is starting to really put things together. And this is a really good fight stylistically for her. And it's a really good fight to really uh, see where she's at. Uh, 
I think this is the main event because I think if Grasso wins, I really feel like she's going to be next in line for the title. Uh, maybe the same thing could be said for Arujo, but I really think uh, the UFC sees something special in Alexa Grasso. Um, and I see it too. I mean, I've, I've been a fan of her for a long time. Uh, I think she's just um, she's just a few fights away uh, from really hitting her stride. You know, that her last fight, she got she got the finish uh, by submission. And, you know, with her being more of a, of a boxer, uh, it was really good to see her work on her uh, to see her work on her ground game. So she's put it all together. Uh, she's got wins over Macy Barber and Joanne Wood, which are good wins in the flyweight division. My pick's going to go with Alexa Grasso. I think she's going to be faster, more skilled. Uh, I just wonder um, if Arujo is going to take this to the ground uh, because th- I think Arujo on fight day will be um, will have the size advantage. So um, I just wonder if she gets taken down, uh, if she's going to be able to work her way back up. But I think on the feet, I think Alexa's faster and more skilled. So my pick's going to go with Grasso. This is a division where I feel like, you know, obviously you have a dominant champion that has reigned supremely over the rest for such a long period of time. And then you've had like this next group of fighters that seemingly have kind of been in the, in the mix for what feels like forever, right? Like this is a division that after Shevchenko feels somewhat stale. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have Talia Santos arriving and, and giving Shevchenko the, the, you know, the toughest fight she's encountered in a long, long time. Uh, Alexa Grasso has arrived on the scene. A little further down in the rankings, you have Casey O'Neill, Macy Barber, Aaron Blanchfield. Molly McCann is now an up-and-comer. Like, there's there's some new blood in this division that are making moves. And uh, I don't know if if um, Grasso is one fight away from, from maybe being ready for Shevchenko, but clearly with this opportunity, she's one fight away from getting that opportunity, perhaps. Um, I, I think that, to your point, like, you talked about Felice Harris. That was 2017. Like, this is a completely different fighter than we saw at that point. Like, I, I think it's very easy to see how skilled she is now and just how put together. And she just, she looks comfortable in there uh, and doesn't look like a rookie on, on you know, on some level. So, um, yes, it's a step up, you know, in terms of, like, the weight and, and fighting a, a more um, skilled bantamweight um, or flyweight. Uh, but I think, you know, Ada Ujo on some level, I think is in that same category of those other ones that you mentioned, right? Like she's been around forever. Um, I don't know that she's a, a, a one that I would consider to be a, a title contender. I don't know that she would get the same opportunity beating Grosso that Grosso will get beating her. But, uh, yeah, I think this is set up for Grosso to, to have a big chance to make a name for herself. And if, if not put herself next, put herself right on the doorstep of that chance. So, um, I, I just like where she is at this point. She just looked really good. So give me Alexa Grosso also. Grosso also. <laughs> yeah, you know, and she's uh, representing Mexico. And I don't think that uh, in terms of the women's divisions, I don't think they've had um, a, a female fighter out of Mexico really do something yet. Um, I think Suarez is, is out of Mexico, but she's continuing to be hurt and stuff. So I think Grosso's the next one in line. So I think, that, and she's very skilled. Very pretty and all that. So I think they see uh, a star, uh, the star quality that you would want uh, in a champion in, in Alexa Grasso. So, um, yeah, man, I think if she looks, if she wins this and wins it impressively, uh, yeah, like you said, she may not be ready for it. But um, I think, you know, who else do you really yeah. give Valentina at this point uh, outside of a rematch with um, Amanda? Dang. No, not Amanda. The Who's the one that she almost lost? Oh, to? Santos. I can't believe. Yeah, Talia Santos. I can't believe I forgot her name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, outside of that rematch, and then you could give uh, 
Valentina, Amanda. Uh, I think that's probably something that the UFC could look at right now. I'm there. Not, they're not being. Yeah. Yeah. There's not really, you know, any clear contenders. But I think if Grasso wins, like you have something there that Shevchenko could do. So, um, yeah, I'm there. I'm there as well. I mean, what else? So yeah. let's see it. And like, again, I'm not suggesting that either is close to the end necessarily, but Father Time is undefeated. If you're ever going to face these two off again with Shevchenko and, and Nunez, like we're starting to get to the point where at least you have to pay attention to the clock, right? Like they're still both at an elite level. They're still both reigning supremely over their division. Um, you know, Shevchenko had the scare against Santos. Yeah. Like uh, Nunez lost to Juliana. Yeah. Like she, she rebounded mm-hmm. in a huge way and had a dominant win to get it back. But like, do you really want to roll the dice on on potentially one of these two getting upset down the line and losing, you know, the the hype that would be this fight if you make it now? Like, I think it's the time is now. They, they've arrived at the time to make this fight. Yeah. Uh, I mean, now that you put it that way. Um, yeah. Valentina with the scare. I mean, I think especially now that Valentina had the scare. I mean, I, you, you kind of understand Amanda a little bit, but with how skilled Valentina is for it to just kind of go south so quickly. Um, yeah, I think at this point, um, not that it went south. I mean, that was a very close fight, but it, it went it went from like domination to just close. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> you know, road grading it, it, everybody in her path to some people feeling like Santos won the fight. Exactly. And and at the end of the at the end of that fight, I thought Valentina won, but I wasn't going to be mad at all if Talia uh, got the decision. I, sco- uh, I yeah. scored it for Valentina, but if you had told me to bet my money on which way the judges were going to go, I I, w- I wouldn't have felt good about it. Yeah, uh, me, me neither. Same way. So, yeah, I think at, th- at this point, um, while they're still hot, uh, Nunez is still a double champion. Valentina is still the long-reigning flyweight champion. Uh, the two, for my money, the two greatest female um, fighters of all time, uh, fighting for a third time. Uh, let, I mean, I, I'm, I'm down for it. Sign me up. Let's do it. Let's do it. But it is uh, Adeujo Grasso as your main event on Saturday night. Well, one week from now, we are all over UFC 280. As I said at the beginning of this, I'm giddy to get into that one. I cannot wait for October 22nd, a Saturday afternoon in the fall, and I will be absolutely geeked on that fight card from start to finish. Can't wait. Yeah, I mean, the prelims is going to start at 10 a.m., so uh, waking up waking up early, I'll be front and center uh, in front of the TV ready to watch uh, these amazing fights. I mean, it's going to be outstanding from start to finish. I mean, one fight's going to end, and then the next fight's going to start, and then it's going to be like, wow, he's fighting next already? I mean, it's just going to be crazy. And it's going to be like that throughout the whole night. So I'm ready for it, man. It's going to be exciting. And one month from tomorrow, it's 282, which is also just unbelievably sacked. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit next week. Well, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy Saturday's fight card and UFC 280 next week, my friend. All right, brother. Have a good one. Podcast is over.